and I must keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Hello, love. Welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 272. I told you that they were going to start coming hot and heavy, trying to catch up with some of the books that I had left behind when I had and still do have the COVID. The COVID it is. And so with that, yeah, I'm going to be doing the second episode in two days. I know it's a little bit unorthodox, but that's how we roll. Here at the Weird Science Studios in the Black Mold Studios here down in my basement as we're about to get hit by a lot of snow in Pennsylvania. And I hope we don't run out of oil. That that would stink, wouldn't it? But hey, here we are. And I'm going to go through a bunch of books, books that were supposed to be on episode 271. And I always like to skew the numbers. It's one of those things when you get more and more episodes for some reason. That seems to make you legit. And so when we get to, say, episode 800, nobody's going to realize that we ended up faking the funk this week, that we ended up having a couple episodes to skew those numbers. It'll be between me, you, and God's ears. Nobody will know, and they'll think that we are the best thing ever, even though we're dummies who skew numbers, but it's our secret. It is. So when we go into this here... Uh, Yeah, I like all the books I'm going to talk about tonight, which is something that is a rarity. And that's why I did want to do these and not and make sure I didn't leave them behind. Things like that. I'm like Kirk Cameron. You know, I don't want to be left behind. So and and neither did he. And so that's what you get. But you could also go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. The WS does stand for Weird Science. And if you do go over there and follow us, we'll follow you right on back. You can go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, and see news, previews, and reviews. And then you can go to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash weirdscience. Maybe I should say not you could go. Maybe I should say you better go, right? I start shaking my fist at you. But if you go over there, you can sign up. And when you do, you will not be charged right away. You will not be charged at all if you decide to quit by the end of this month of February. And so then you'd never get charged. But if you like what you hear and want more, you keep going and pick a level that you can afford and gives you the amount of shows that you want. And there's a lot of shows. I think we're up to about 1,600 shows in the amount of time that we've had this. I'd like to have at least a show every other day and these could be marvel comics shows dc comics indie comics manga even cartoon movie review shows all the stories and you have to go over and check it out and i think that that gives you the best idea of what we do that's why i do not have it so it charges you right away i don't like that i want you to see that it's worth the money they have money's hard to come by i know that so that is that but yeah with all of this going on I also want to tell you, on each week, we end up having a Patreon-only Marvel Comics Spotlight. Two books picked by the badasses, the Get Fresh Group, beep, boop. And usually 
it's me and Brandon, but Clay does get some of the books in there as well. This week, though, it was me and Brandon on both. And I'm not saying that Brandon liked these books because he's a miserable guy who just hates everything. And if he listens to that, he'll agree. (laughs) He hates it all. I didn't love them either, but they ended up picking Morbius Bond of Blood Number One, the Ralph Macchio Karate Kid book, and King in Black, Black Panther Number One, the uh, Jeffrey Thorne book. He's the one who's doing it. DC right now, the Future State Green Lantern as well. So you end up with that book. I think that maybe he's already been told he has the job on the Black Panther book when you end up having Tennessee Coates end with his number 25 or. This might have been kind of like, hey, let's see what you got. A lot of people like it. A lot of people like it more than me. I was going into it not especially as a Black Panther book, only I was kind of reviewing it as a King and Black tie-in. I think it may have went a little too big for what the event is and what Wakanda, Black Panther, Shiri, all them can do. Uh, it seems like they could just stop this whole null thing right away. But that was just me. But you have to go over and listen to that to see exactly what i'm talking about but as i said before when we start all this up and something we do at the dc podcast that i think we should do over here at the marvel because a lot of people are joining up from the marvel here is the badass roll call this is where we get the shout out to the badasses so if you want to blame anybody for the books that they picked for the spotlight I'm naming them here, and you could go and search them out. Josh Murray from Not A Robot Podcast. Go check that out. Ted Probst, Lawrence Lee, Forrest Pauly, Cam, Joseph Watchsick, Matt Razor, who you may know from this feed. I do the Star Wars stuff with him. D-Man 3000, All New Dave, Lady Abby, Cisco, Matches Ballone, Nils T-Work, David Fink, Joey Bercasco, Stephen Baum, Tony Walton, Jason Colby, that's 242 to you. Michael G., who I do a movie podcast with. Ken Halleck, Comic Boom Rocky, has a YouTube channel you should check out. Seller Dweller, Mark Jager, who I do a bunch of things, including a Walking Dead podcast each Wednesday or every other. Eric G., Aldrin Stoja, Nick Adams, Phil Beer from the Bat Pod, Ruben. Ruben, you'll hear later. Uh, with a X-Men show that he did on his own. Carlos, Lone Wolf Mark, T-Funk, Luke Hollywood, I do a manga thing. Everybody I do things with. Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew and Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Dalton Edom, my man Pete from NYC. We have some things coming up there. Uh, Sailor Moon Mark, who I do a cartoon show with. Our man Ralph Lewis, Brandy Murray, and Double A Run. See, too many things going on here and on the Patreon. But thanks, everybody, on the Patreon Thanks, the badasses. That's your salute. Salute to the all-time Reggie, and let's get on with the books. All right, let's kick this whole thing off with Daredevil number 27, written by Chip Zdarsky. Art by Marco Cacetto and Mike Hawthorne. Inks by Marco Cacetto and Adriano de Benendito. And Marceo Amenez on colors and BC's Clayton Cowles. All the way down by the bottom there with the letter ing. And this is the Black Kitchen Part 2. It is a King of Black tie-in. Now, I'm going to give you the little recap here, but I will mention that the last issue of Daredevil, that would make it Daredevil number 26 if you're playing at home, I didn't really like. And it was one of those things where it's like a shock to the system. I end up loving Daredevil. It's one of my favorite books. And I thought that this might be one of those safe havens from the King of Black title wave. 
it makes sense that it would be involved with the whole book being a big thing in New York, Hell's Kitchen, Matt's in jail, all that stuff. I just was hoping that some of the books that I really, really like might avoid this whole King of Black deal. So it kind of threw me uh, back a little. And also the idea where Matt had just gotten in jail. And we start off that issue seeing Matt trying to adjust, seeing, you know, the prisoners coming up to him, giving him some crap. Obviously, he's in there as Daredevil. And I want to see more. That's what I've been waiting for. Now, a lot of people were probably like, oh, that's good. We didn't see him, you know, pumping iron out in the yard or or giving himself a prison tattoo or whatever they do in prison. I don't know. Eat gruel is what I hear from prison Mike. But when you end up having no happen, all the symbiotes, all that, it almost made what I think a street level book, making it into a cosmic book. In too quick a fashion, that ended up kind of being, again, a shock to the system. Now, we get into this issue, and now I'm used to it. Now I'm a little, you know, settled in, and I liked it a lot more. Maybe it's just because this issue is a little better. I don't know. But to me, it was. Here is the recap. No, the primordial and malicious progenitor of the symbiote species has come to Earth with an army of symbiote dragons at his command and has launched a brutal campaign against existence itself crazy right new york has borne the brunt of his attack as his symbiotic army has coated the city in a living darkness that consumes everything in its path this while daredevil has been incarcerated and electro has assumed his mantle as the protector of hell's kitchen now i said i love this series anybody who's listened to this podcast would know that i've come completely to the you know realization that it's not you know because Chip Starsky writes a great Matt or a lecture even in this. It's that I think that at the end of all of this, I think that Chip Sadarsky may go down as writing the best Wilson Fisk ever and the whole Kingpin deal with the and, and coming into the series, having the whole deal forced on him from before of Fisk being mayor of New York and what Chip Sadarsky does and has done with Fisk as Matt has gone from, you know, down in the dumps, killing a guy going and trying to seek his little spiritual redemption. You also had that with Fisk, with the Stromwinds, with the idea that he is taking to being the mayor because he likes the accolades, but it also lets him have the power that he craves. But even during this whole run has points where to be the mayor, he can't be the kingpin. And he kind of didn't want to let that go, ends up killing him. So it's really good. And when stuff like this null deal happens, you end up having Fisk fully look right away as this is an opportunity for me to step it up again. You ended up having all of Hell's Kitchen pretty much, you know, being torn to hell. And he ended up going in there fighting off the villains, bullseye, all those that the Stromlands had set up, you know, pretty much back to back with Daredevil. And that was, you know, big, the people, and and he's done this over and over. So he sees opportunities and things like this, but this is bigger. He also seems to blame the Avengers right away, but also says, I should have listened to them. You know, you have all these things going on, swirling around in his head, and I think it's really good. And he is upset because Typhoid Mary, Mary was left behind, almost like Kurt Cameron. Again, see, it all comes back. But you end up where he's 
you know, where's Mary? Anybody find her? Hey, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not just going to let this go. I need to get out there and be seen. All that stuff that has been his M.O. throughout the whole deal. And I really like it, too, because they do have him in a vault, you know, sequestered away. Nobody will get to you, Mayor, you know, fiscal. And he ends up saying to Wesley and a bunch of other people, I'm going for a walk. I'm going out there. And they're like, well, we can't really let you do that. We can't let you go out there. And he's like, okay, well, which one of you am I going to kill first before I then go out and take a walk and see what's going on? So they do let him go. Badass. I mean, he is. But even before that, we get to see what's going on with Matt and we get to see what's going on with Electra as Daredevil. Matt in jail. He is a symbiote now. We ended up having that at the end of last issue. And I like the setup here that we have throughout where you end up Matt is fighting. Matt is fighting off Null. Null saying, you know, don't fight. I'm giving you all the power you want. We can do whatever. And Matt ends up using his religion. You know, hey, I know God. He's not you. I'm going to fight this off. And Null says something really good to set up the rest of the issue. He says, basically, anybody who's been able to kind of think that they can fight me off they do end up being either, you know, religious zealots who, you know, they're ridiculous, but and also people who are already crazy. And we get that where Matt's able to, and I'm saying religious zealots and kind of pushing away because anybody to a god that no, he's going to think anything else is that sort of deal. And so he ends up where Matt can fight it off and he can't completely get it out of a system. He is still a symbiote. He's still kind of being controlled, but he's fighting through it. And then he ends up figuring out because he's helping the prison, all the stuff going on, but he does eventually figure out a way to break that whole thing with null. And it's pretty extreme. And when it happens, it's pretty cool. In the meantime, you end up having a lecture out and about she's out in new york city hell's kitchen all that and we had her hooked up with that girl whose mother had turned into a symbiote well one of the things that mary wants to do is to take down daredevil daredevil now being electra at this moment now the big play here again no said it and it goes well with with typhoid mary crazy people especially people who might have you know disassociative disorder multiple personalities things like that they're able to fight off Null in the way that Typhoid Mary says, no, you're just one of like seven, 17, 70 voices in my head. You're not going to take over everything. You're just another voice that I hear. But, hey, I'll let you take over. Just give me the opportunity first to go and kill Daredevil. And Null strikes up a deal. Fine. That's cool. You go get Daredevil, whatever. And she goes off and she does end up fighting Electra. And then seemingly she thinks that she killed Electra. She ends up having Electra get knocked out of a building, way up, lands on a car, kind of a la Lethal Weapon 1. And then when Typhoid Mary comes to check out, you have Electra being able to pretend that she's dead. She's able to stop her breathing or things and whatever. And enough that Typhoid Mary thinks she's dead, says, all right, I did what I needed to do. I succumb. No, you have me. Typhoid Mary's all yours and goes off. Um, but the big thing in this that I like is you have Matt trying to fight off, you know, no. But you also have Electra, who still each step of this is learning more and more why matt became 
the daredevil of Hell's Kitchen, why he wants to do the right thing, why he saves people. All this time, Electra thinks that he's nonsense. You're wasting your time. This doesn't give you a means to an end, helping people. Why would you do that? Let's go steal money. Let's go do all this stuff and get stuff for us. And Matt is always, you know, there for the people, his religion and all that stuff. So by the end, especially with this girl who Electra is able to save, but then when she comes, the girl says, you know, my mom's dead. What do I do now? And you end up seeing that Electra has feelings and Electra realizes that, you know, maybe I should try to help more. Maybe I can do a little more. Maybe what Matt had, it's not exactly riches or whatever we're going to get. But maybe it's something that you need. And maybe this will make me more of a, a better person. In the meantime, she still wants to do right by Matt because she needs Matt when he gets out of jail. But it seems like we're going to get to a crossroads where she's going to have to decide. Because if you remember, the whole deal that Stick and everything showed was she needs to team up with Matt. But one of them will die if they do this, all that stuff going on. Now, Matt, like I said, he's fighting off no. He's there, he's yelling at Noel, Noel's yelling at him. It's basically Matt just saying, I'm not going to let you take me. And Noel just really, because it's going to happen. You know, you might be able to fight off a little, but it will happen. And the big deal here, and it's a pretty cool, and I'm not going to say it's clever, but it's really cool and badass because what you end up having, Matt realizes that the only way he's going to get the symbiote out of him, he knows that electricity, can end up making it stop it could just but you know get some real you know a real voltage going something really high voltage uh then we can really talk here and he goes he goes in and sits on the electric chair in the prison and i just was thinking like where is he and yeah i at, at first i'm like do they have those but he's in a pretty you know high high security prison stuff like that that they would i guess so he goes sits in the electric chair puts the cap on he's forcing his way through all of this through null trying to control him all the symbiote stuff and he ends up even using the symbiote to reach out because he's strapped in the chair he's not going to be able to just they're not going to have the electric chair lever right there right so you're sitting there you just pull it back what is this Part of my recliner? Oh, no, I'm dead. See, that would happen. You, you don't want that to happen in the jail, right? That's a lot of paperwork. But he ends up going, and he stops, and he can't do it. Again, is it that he's afraid he's going to die? It's the religious thing, or it's Null fighting back. But Null says, you're not going to be able to do it. You can't do it. You're not going to be able to. I'm going to control you. There is no way this is going to happen. And says, you can't fight forever, you know, except those who live forever and that's where the one prisoner who has been there each step of the way in the little time that matt has been in the prison comes over and sees matt and realizes it seems what he is trying to do he ends up pulling the lever and you do end up then and even in the of the mind you end up having matt like grab null by the, the throat he's pretty badass everybody in this is badass and then Matt ends up getting, you know, the electric chair gets electrocuted, the symbiote go all off, and he's just laying there. And he says, see, forever is easy. So everybody is kind of there. You have Electra learning continuously. This has happened each issue that she has been Daredevil, a couple issues now, is that she's learning why Matt did all that and why and how and when and all that of that. It's kind of cool to help people. And there is 
uh, people who really need your help. And then there is some sort of satisfaction in being able to do that. Fisk is heading out to just do his deal. He's going to find Typhoid Mary, all of that. And then you have Daredevil now back as just Daredevil, not a symbiont. And we'll see what he is going to do. Because even with the symbiont, he had to be yelled at by the prisoner. Like, get going. You go out there. Get get out of here. And, yeah, he really wants to still make amends. So we'll see. But I think that what we're going to get is that little deal. Remember where Electra said to Matt when he told her, I'm going to go to prison. I need to do the time. I did the crime. I do the time. And she said, listen, what's better? Because this is you acting selfless, but you're really being selfish because you in prison, Daredevil in prison because of one guy who died. It's horrible that he died. But one guy that may end up causing 100 people to die outside because Daredevil isn't around. One of the reasons why she is Daredevil. So I think that this is weighing on Matt's mind again. Should I stay in prison and do my time or at this whole apocalypse, maybe I should go out and help. And I think that's obviously what he will end up doing, maybe even with the prisoner partner. And then at the end, they'll probably both decide to be the right thing and go back to prison. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I like this. I thought the art was really good. I thought the whole deal was action-packed, really cool. And it got me back on board. I was a little taken aback last, I said. I ended up, it was a shock. Oh, man, we're doing this King in Black here. I thought my my safe haven is gone. Now all I have is this basement with all this mold around. That's not a safe haven. So I'm going to give this an 8.5. I really liked it. And I think that if you are not reading all of the tie-ins, but you're reading Daredevil and you decided, I'm not going to get it, you should. This isn't anything that I'm going to say is essential to the King and Black story. But if you are interested in Daredevil, and based also what... I should say, if you're reading the King and Black deal and you're not reading Daredevil, maybe this is a way to check it out because it is part of the study. Check it out and see what you, you think because I think it's a really good book and should be read by just about anybody. And when they used to announce all the sales and I used to go through the sales, it shocked me that not enough people were reading Daredevil. So 8.5, and I'm going to go on to the next book. All right, moving on, we have Eternals number two. Written by Kieran Gillen, art by Asad Arabic, colors by Matthew Wilson and letters, and designer VCs Clayton Cowles. And here is the recap. Eternals are eternal. Oh, my. Did you know that Eternals are eternal? That's the point. If they die, they resurrect. Zurus, the prime Eternal, has been murdered, possibly by one of their own. Murder is a small thing for an Eternal, but it's certainly rude. How wooed. Icarus and Sprite follow the murderer's tracks to Titanos, the Eternals Fallen Capital, where time runs amok. Also running amok, Thanos, the Mad Titan. That's a little aside at the end, but that's the big deal. We had that as our big cliffhanger last issue. And I said I was a little confused with what was going on, and I, I'm not really that steeped in any knowledge with the idea of what the Eternals are, what they're about. I ended up reading the first issue of the Jack Kirby run, and that's it. So I don't know the characters, whatnot. And so after the first issue, especially with having Thanos as the cliffhanger, I was interested. thought, okay, that's a pretty cool way, you know, to put on your pants in the morning, but also to get you to read the next issue. So I ended up coming into this, and I think that Kieran Gillen has made me a bit of at least his Eternals deal, a fan. 
And I think that I'll continue on. I I tend to end up losing interest in cosmic stuff like this, so who knows how long it will last. But right now, I'm actually having a good time with this and learning and figuring out things, especially if Thanos seems to be this murder going through the machine, the machine of Earth, and being able to use an exception to get around there that only can be done if somebody from within has turned traitor. And that's the big deal. There's the mystery now of not who's really doing all of the killing, but who is allowing this to go on. This is all wrong. It is all wrong. And you have a fight. You have a fight here with Icarus versus Thanos. They're going back and forth. And eventually, you know, Thanos is going to win. And they have a really nice way of progressing it as they're fighting, basically saying, you know, it's almost impossible to kill an Eternal, but that doesn't mean it can't happen, but that doesn't mean it's easy. All these things going on as you end up seeing them crashing through time and space, fighting, doing all this until Thanos pretty much rips off Icarus's head. The thing is, though, it's not real. It's a ruse. It's a ruse that Sprite set up and in a cool way to set it up. You ended up seeing these duplicates that Sprite can make in the first issue when you ended up having Icarus get her out of the exception and being able to, you know, know the power set and whatever. And so you end up having Sprite and Icarus going off and Icarus told Sprite, yeah, you have to get out of here. You got to go. And Sprite didn't and ends up saving Icarus. But even then, at this point, it is the idea, well, yeah, if Thanos would have really killed me, no fuss, no muss. I would have been back anyway. They would have resurrected me. But Sprite has a point when Sprite ends up saying, yeah, if I just went back by myself and said, hey, Thanos is back. They ain't going to believe me. They already think that I'm the one who's doing the murdering. I'm the traitor. And also, if I go back and you're dead as well, yeah, they're not going to believe me at all. I'm going to be in big trouble. But you also find out by the end of this issue that Sprite has done a huge solid for Icarus because whether or not Icarus thinks that he would have come back, he wouldn't have. Because they end up shutting down the resurrection, it seems as if. And it may not just be Thanos. That might be even more of a red herring. But whoever and whatever, if it's not, uh, they have destroyed and killed everybody who does the resurrections. And you can't help but read this and think in terms of the Hickman X-Men as well. And why I like this a lot is that there's fewer characters I can just jump in here. I don't have any, you know, ideas either way of going on. But, yeah, you get a lot of that synergy there with basically when you end up having the whole deal, hey, everybody was slaughtered with the resurrection. I just thought of the five and stuff like that. But you end up then going off on the side, and Kieran Gillen does this deal where he ends up having Icarus go off and see this guy, this guy that he had a vision of that he was going to end up seeing a monster and that, hey, I need you to stay vigilant for this monster just sitting on a beach. And when this does happen, when this monster does happen, I need you to light this bonfire and then I'll come back. And this guy lives his life just waiting for this monster that never comes. Now, when you first get into the story, you know, this flashback deal it kind of throws you off a little. You're kind of like, okay, why are we doing this? What's going on? But you do see that then Icarus comes back because the bonfire is then lit as a funeral pyre for this guy. Icarus comes back. Hey, did he see the monster? 
Now, all this time, Icarus has not come back at all. And this old guy was telling his kid, his grandkid, everybody, hey, I got to wait for this monster. This god told me this. This god flew out of the sky and told me this. I got to do it. This is my lifelong deal. I told him I would. Nobody believes him. They think he's mad. He wasted his life. All these things. Well, then Icarus comes down like, oh, my God, uh, that was real. Like, Grandpa was not loony like we thought. He actually did meet a god. Oh, my God, there's a monster. And you end up having the grandson point over just like the vision that Icarus realizes he done messed up. That the person he was supposed to have wait and look for this monster wasn't the guy that he – it was the grandson He pretty much wasted a man's entire life. Now he's a god. He's an eternal. Time doesn't mean the same with him. And you kind of think that he's just like, oh, well, hashtag people problems. I'm out of here. But he ends up fighting this monster. And and one of the things that's kind of disgusting, it's this huge Cthulhu kaiju thing with tentacles and a big flaming mouth and things like that. But you end up having Icarus just destroy it. And everybody there is there's just flesh and all raining down on them. And it's like, boy, they ate good that night. And I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. But they end up seemingly thinking that Icarus is just like, yeah, well, what can you do about this? I'm just going to. But he does seem to realize he messed up, which leads to the ending that also ties into last issue that we'll get to in a moment because you end up having Icarus and Sprite go back and they end up telling everybody when they go to olympus earth uh you know hey everybody you're olympus on earth hey everybody thanos is back what no you're kidding me no 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 he's back and we think that he's the one who did the murdering and the big thing is well how could he get through the machine you can't now through all this we're going to continually get a narration from the machine that is a more emotional more quippy even saying to us through the narration, I really shouldn't be like this. Like, I'm supposed to be pretty much, you know, a robot type deal, and I'm not, but I don't want anybody to know. And what you find out and what the machine even finds out in a clever way with the narration is that, yeah, things aren't right. I'm not feeling well. I'm getting a little loopy. It's like when I end up podcasting, well, right now it's 1230. I don't feel good, and I've had my share of cough medicine as I usually do So I'm like the machine So you get there I'd be more like the machine But you end up having the fight Between everyone Because now that Zerus is dead And the idea I already said But oh he'll be resurrected He'll tell us who killed him all that Well now the resurrection doesn't happen So now he's dead dead Now they're going to have to end up Getting a prime They're going to have to have an election Getting a prime That leads everybody pointing fingers It was you It was me It was him It was her uh, Leading to just what could end up being Just complete and utter civil war Going in through the Eternals Which might be what is You know the the person who's behind it uh, Eventually I'm not just talking Thanos But the person who's in with them Letting them through all this and whatever That might be what they want anyway But then you end up you know, being introduced to more characters, and one of the big ones is Cersei, who shows up, and she ends up saying, "Okay, everybody, calm down. You know, everybody has a motive. Everybody has this, that, and the other thing. But I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna take Icarus, right? And we're gonna go off, and we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna figure out what happened, who's involved, and then we'll get to the bottom of it, and we'll figure out what we do from there." 
But one of the big things is that if it is Thanos, Thanos not necessarily being a eternal in the, you know, the fine print, but he is definitely, and, and the way that Karen Gillan actually says it, I like, it's he's not an eternal, but he's their responsibility, their mistakes. So they end up feeling responsible as well with that. But you end up pretty much setting up a strike team, a strike force that you end up even adding Kingo, and you're going to go off to figure out what's going on, if they should even tell the Avengers, all these things where you do have Icarus go off and it's like, and it's a detective deal. They're going to go and look for clues, things like that. And Icarus says, I'm not one to look for clues. When you when you need somebody to punch, just let me know. I'll come and punch people out the wazoo. But I'm not there for the meticulous clue sorting through. So I'm going to go off. But what he does go off to do is he goes to visit Toby Robson. And if you remember or you read the first issue, that was the name on the gravestone that he ended up seeing when he's in Titanos, where he ends up seeing the future, whatever, of this person dying at 13 years old. He goes to this house, says, hey, are you Toby Robson? And Toby thinks that he is actually dreaming, but he's like, I am Icarus of the Eternals. I will protect you. If it's required, I would give my very life for yours. And he's like, neat, can I close the window? I'm getting soaked. And it says, Robson thinks he's in a dream. Close, but not correct. The accurate word is longer, starts with an N, and involves more screaming. And that's a pretty cool ending where you end up seeing a lightning bolt going, just Icarus floating outside of this Toby's window. But in my mind, it is the idea that he ended up messing up one time before with something like this, and he does not want to mess up again. So it ends to be continued, obviously. And yeah, I like it. I actually like it. I, I know I'm kind of skimming over it, and it's hard for me when I start something like this, especially not knowing. It's not like I can sit there and go, oh, my God, there's that character or whatever. I don't know these characters. But he, Karen Gillan, makes them fleshed out the minute that they show up which i think is really good and even like cersei we get her for a couple pages but i think that i'm already kind of on board with what she's about what they do even just by the idea when she walks into a room of eternals just at each other's throats and they stop you know because she's there and then they all listen to her and go off without even having to bat an eye they go off with her and you know realize that she's going to get to the bottom of this like i like that i think that it's well played I love the art. The art is something that I saw people not liking Asad Rabik's art. And I can tell that it would not go well with certain things, but it goes well with like a Conan and it goes well with this. I think that it goes well with big, you know, epic type stories like that. And I think it plays out really cool. So I think that everybody should check it out. I'm giving it an eight out of 10. And now let's move on to the next book. And that next book is King and Black Thunderbolts, number two, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Juan Ferreira, letters by VC's Joe Sabino. Mayor Wilson Fisk has assembled some of the world's deadliest people for his newly named Thunderbolts team. Among them are Star, Taskmaster, Mr. Fear, and Batrock. He's a leaper. Their mission, save the Earth from Null and get rich or die trying. The new team set off for Ravencroft to find the man with a plan to save them all, Norman Osborn. Along the way, they lost a few Thunderbolts to death and desertion, and when the final four made it to the Institute, 
their faith in the mission weakened when a very peculiar Norman answered the front door. And peculiar being, he, he ain't no goblin. This is just Norman, but he has some info. He has some inside plan with this that we'll see as we go. Now, right away, I'm going to tell you, I am a 100% Juan Ferreira fanboy. He is one, if not my favorite artist in comics. He is a, a great guy as well as being a great artist, and that is a lot for me as well. And just he put us in a bunch of comics. I, I ended up saying that. I always have to throw that out there just so that you know that you know I'm going to gush about his art, and I always will, and I do not make any bones about it, and I'm not ashamed to do it. I don't fake the funk. I think it's great, and I think this art is great in this. And He's really good in these books. And it's funny, too, because he's really good in a book where the writer is writing something crazy and funny while he's drawing something so ga- like ghastly and, and just just awful, just things going on. And it's just such a good combo, the way that he's able to do it. And he does it here with Matthew Rosenberg. And he even gets to do something that's odd with it, where he's been able to do Taskmaster without a mask. He's doing Mr. Fear like they're not wearing masks here. And I think that that was pretty fun. Now they do put them on in this, but this is just fun. The first issue was a lot of fun. If you want your King and Black stuff to be ultra serious and over the top, like, then you're not going to like this. But I need these. And I think that events that are 50 issues plus, you need different flavors. Like you need the dark, the light, all that going on. And I got so many chuckles out of stuff. And again, whether or not you want to give props to Juan or you want to give props to Matthew Rosenberg, but I think it's both where Matthew Rosenberg lets Juan do a lot of the the jokes. A lot of them are visual. And a lot of them, but they play out really well between both Rosenberg and Juan. So I think that it's pretty cool as they go into Ravencroft with, you know, with Norman. And they go to get the whole deal. They're noticing that there's a bunch of villains. And it's funny where Mr. Fear's going through and like, boy, they got a lot of, you know, Z-grade villains here. Not realizing you're with them a bit. But he ends up and he's like, I don't recognize these guys. Inquisition? throat puncher the night scrubber and they all want to get out and even there you see man bull bushman so they all want to get out and you end up having a little debate should we let them out should we kind of get we can get a big team going here you know we could have a and like no 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 we're not going to do that that kind of bites them in the butt uh at one point but they are going to norman's office where he opens it up and they do not realize That Fisk is already on the Zoom call He's already there He's already connected And such a funny progression here Is Mr. Fear Is basically saying Yeah, you know what, that Fisk, he's a jerk I mean, the fat man said you'd have a plan for us And and then he realizes that Yeah, Fisk Fisk is like on the screen going "Uh (laughs) And you end up Oh, oh, a fat man No, I was talking about the blob He's down there, he's in one of the cells and you end up this going, uh, uh, yeah, is Taskmaster dead? And the Taskmaster comes in. No, boss. Oh, good. Hit Mr. Fear. Ba-boom. He ends up cracking him right in the face. It's so good. I don't know how you could not like this. But even then, he's like, all right, get Norman on. Norman doesn't know how to use technology. He gets right 
up to the camera and he's got like right in Fisk's face. It's the whole screen of Fisk. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back off, Norman. I don't need that. Please don't get that close. But also, again, for the little jokes, there's Norman Osborne's office and he has the world's number one dad mug, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Norman has that. But yeah, you end up with, okay, who's alive? Who's dead? We're going to do all this, but we have the plan. Uh, Taskmaster, get everybody out of the room. Just you, Norman. We're going to go through this plan. Nobody else needs to know. Get them out. So they go out. And it's it's a well-played deal where we're not going to be privy to what the plan is. That's going to be the cliffhanger. So while they're doing that, we end up having Star, Batrock, and Mr. Fear go out and kind of have their little chit-chat. You get a little more of them. You end up having Mr. Fear see that Figment is in one of the cells and wants to take Figment out. And it's it's even played well where he goes up and he's like, oh, Figment, what are you doing in here? I'm like, do I know you? Know me? I, I was sleeping on your couch for two months. Yeah. And, oh, oh, I didn't notice you without your mask. I mean, you're pretty ugly, right? And then you get Mr. Fear is such a breakout character to me in this because the way that Matthew Rosenberger writes it, it isn't just this guy going, like even that Figment's like, man, you know, are, are you in charge? He's like, yeah, I'm kind of running the show mostly. <laughs> you're like, no, you're not. You're not any bit. But yeah, he goes over to Batrock. Hey, Frenchie, can we let Figment join? Like, no, why not? And like, because we already have an idiot. And they go on. You do end up having Figment join him because what happens is a big freaking null dragon just comes through the roof. It just crashes through. The goo is going into cells. People are turning to symbiotes. Now, there's also a running joke that I thought was really funny throughout this is their star. Batrock does not really like the name star for her and wants a different name. But also, he keeps saying that she reminds him of Wonder Man. Now, the play is that he wants her to change your name. You're just like Wonder Man. You should be Wonder Lady because he can't say Wonder Woman. And it made me laugh every time. And then even there, like, Really? Your name is Star? That's terrible. It's like, really? You're the Leaper. I mean, what the heck is that? So there's so many fun jokes. And what happens is this dragon kind of crashes in. Like I said, the goo goes. You end up having a bunch of the inmates become symbiotes. You end up with like Night Scrubber, like, oh, my God, he's bigger than I ever thought. But it all looks great. You have everybody doing their thing. Remember, they ended up getting all the electric powers. They're going with all this, and they're doing pretty good. But there's a spread, and one usually gets you know at least one spread that looks just fantastic, and it does. And they put the masks on for this, too. So you, you really get that thing where I'm telling them, if Juan isn't signing these uh, at conventions or whatever, he, he's got to talk to me. i got to be his manager. So you end up where they're, they're fighting. They're fighting their way out of ravencroft now to go off into what is going to be this plan we still don't know what it is but they get in the ravencroft you know prisoner transfer bus mr fears driving they head out they end up running over a symbiotic deer uh but as they're going you end up having taskmaster say okay star you come with me i gotta talk to you uh your powers like you can reach out into the force and things and feel things she says they're not like Star Wars. And he's like, well, you explain it better to me. And she's like, yeah, it's kind of like Star Wars. She says, okay, you're going to fly up. I'm going to tell you what you're going to look for. You're going to look for this power signature. And then when you lock onto it, let us know. And she's like in the middle of talking, just pushes her, kicks her out of the back of the bus. 
And she goes and she's like, what a jerk. There's a lot of like curses. So she goes up. She's trying to figure out what's going on. And even that they ended up saving what was left of the inmates that hadn't become symbiotes. And you even have Taskmaster just walking through them like, hey, uh, do you think she believed that? He's like, don't care. Hey, would you mind uh, taking off these power? Don't care. He just goes right by them. And they start to talk him and Batrock. And like, why are we going so slow? Why aren't we going faster? And they realize that Mr. Fear, and again, breakout character, is not going the speed limit. And they go up and say, why aren't you going the effing speed limit, Fear? And he says, I'm crazy, not suicidal. The speed limit is the maximum allowed speed for larger vehicles. It's suggested to drive below that. The world is ending, and you end up having uh, testers. The world's ending, you're going 45 and a 55. They start arguing. Taskmaster's trying to grab the wheel. Fear's like, no, let go. As Batrock realizes that they're about to go off a bridge that's been blown up. And he says, la veche. And they're like, what? And it means break, but he's saying it. In so they end up, oh, my God. They just go off this bridge. They're going into the river. They're going into the bay. And all of a sudden, they're not falling anymore. Mr. Fear looks out. Star has them. Star ended up flying grabbing the the bus and she's flying it to safety where then mr fierce says you know you look real good baby <laughs> she's like you leave me alone now i don't want any part of you he's like all right so they then go she's all worn out she has kind of overused her powers and again you end up having batrock come and it's like bravo madame see you are already acting like the wonder man but a woman wonder lady <laughs> it's so funny to me uh but yeah they're there locked on to this power signature that they're trying to get something that star can sense with her powers even then she's like i think i need a breath like yeah we don't have time for this let's go and you go and they're leading her there now this plays out well to with me i think it plays out well with a lot of people to joke because we know what happened to century that that was king of black number one century got ripped in half Noel just ripped him in half so as they're going they go oh my god that's sentry because there's a bush and his legs are sticking out. Well, if you have been paying attention, playing at home, you know that that's all that's going to be there because he got ripped in half. We also had him in the Valkyrie. We know he's dead. You know that old deal. So you end up where they pull, <laughs> they pull the legs out and it's just him, half of them. And they're like, oh, my God. And then like you end up having Star like, we are so effed. The problem is it's part of the plan. The plan is to get the half of the body. You end up having Testmaster knew this was going to happen. And they're like, could you have given us a heads up or something? But it's the power left in that half of a body can be used as a, a, a big explosion. They're going to use this as a bomb. They're going to use the half of him. They're going to blow it up. But then Star has a good point and says, that's going to be a big explosion. How are we going to survive that? And you end up Taskmaster like, oh, man, yeah, how are we going to? And he's going to have to figure it out. And it says, you know, we have one more issue. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm telling you. And, and Juan, again, I told you, gosh, just the expressions when things are going on and just the, the little deal. Even when you end up having Star flying, you know, the and grabbing the bus and flying it. And you see Mr. Fierce's head just goes down. You just see his big grinning teeth and his two eyes and his spiky hair so good. Uh, so I 
always give props to one, but I give him a bravo for this. And I really like that. I think Matthew Rosenberg is doing a good job, too, because when you have these big events, to me, you do need, you know, different, like I said, the spice of life here. I'm enjoying the Black Cat book that is big, but not as big because it's a Black Cat book. I just said I enjoyed the the first issue. I was a little thrown off, but I enjoyed Daredevil because we get that little deal. I think that a Marvel Suicide Squad that's really jokey because you have some crazy characters trying to join together because they have to and trying to work it out and never realizing how much I'd love to have a book with Mr. Fear, Bat, Rock, Taskmaster, and Star. And I like all the characters. I like Star. A lot of people don't, but I do. I think Taskmaster is awesome. Mr. Fear has become a favorite. And I always like Bat, Rock, even though I admit it way back that I always thought when I just saw it, it was Bat Rock the Leper, which is worse than Leaper. So the idea where Star says you call Leper or Leaper is better than Leper, right? I mean, I would say it would be, right? I don't know. But yeah, so I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I, for laughs, I could go higher, but I'm going to give it an 8.5 and I'm going to end there. Now, there was Taskmaster, just the Taskmaster book that was good as well. And if I did talk about that, I was probably going to be about a 7-8 for that. Uh, I like it, but you end up having this whole deal where he does go to Korea, ends up in a funny way how he gets through all this stuff and realizes that Amy Han, the director that he's supposed to go to mimic, is actually White Fox and all this stuff to get going into the next deal where they're going to go off to Wakanda. But I did like it. I did like it. I thought the art was really good, and I like Jed McKay. But I'm going to stop here, timing deal, and I ended up biting my tongue. I don't know if it came through. I bit my tongue like four times while I was talking, and it hurt. It hurt so bad. I, I'm having problems, but that'll be that. So I hope that you enjoyed this catch-up deal. We're going to have a couple of the uh, X-Men stuff going to catch up as well as well as having our normal Star Wars show me and Matt do on Saturday night. We'll have that up with Darth Vader number 10, a book that I really like. So there's a lot of stuff that came out this week from Marvel that I'm really digging, and that's nice. I'm glad that I ended up liking the majority of the books that came out. That's kind of why we get into all this and want to talk about stuff, and sometimes the dice don't roll that way. Sometimes you end up getting the snake guys, uh, you know, week after week. It's nice to hit with these. So I hope you enjoyed this little catch up deal. I hope that I didn't meander or, you know, fumble and bumble and rumble too much. I'm not feeling well, uh, but we'll get through it. And I actually, you know, end up feeling better when I do end up talking about the comics for the podcast. It gets me kind of pumped up a little and then I can't fall asleep and then it makes me feel like crap. So thank you. You're all to blame. You're all to blame. No, I actually end up, this actually breaks up my day and night in a good way of me just not sitting there, laying there, feeling sorry for myself. I can do that sitting up. I don't need to lay down. So thank you for that. Again, go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. And you can tell me what you like this week. If you like things a little more, a little less, or just right. Just right. And then you can go to our website weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com news previews and reviews and then you can check out our patreon it'd be really cool if you did 
and that is at patreon.com slash weird science where we try to do a lot of work we try to make it well worth what we end up having for our levels especially if you like podcasts because that's what i like doing i know that people keep telling me you should do this the podcast game that's a dying deal well i guess i'm gonna go down with the ship because i really like doing it whether it's by myself or with a co-host i actually prefer a co-host these shows that i end up doing by myself i don't know i end up you know kind of feeling weird about it afterwards like i don't know how that went so you can let me know you can say jim you stink you stink on ice buddy get some deodorant get <laughs> tanya told me that the other day where she like came down i'm not really allowed to get anywhere near him i'm like do i stink that bad and what it was was i realized afterwards she told me like just think your wife says boy you better get some deodorant whatever i'm like really like it's that bad but i can't smell or taste so how do i but actually she was looking to use my deodorant and ended up saying because she thought that i didn't have any and she was mistaken. And then I yelled at her. And then I texted her very meanly about her, you know, her nonsense, I said. Well, how dare you do that? Where, where's Greta? That's, I need you? Greta to come and just be there for me. And anybody, which in this house, she'd, just, she'd lose her voice in a day saying, how dare you to everybody. But it'd be cool. So I want to get a billion dollars where I can hire, like, Greta to just walk around and tell people, how dare you? And I'd just be walking around. And then I'd be like, tell that person, how dare you? And then she goes over. I'm like, you, she got you. You've been served, buddy. And then I go to the next one and they're like, they're setting up like a can display in like Walmart. And I'm like, get it, get it there, Greta. This is all wrong. Damn right. It's all wrong. And no pyramid. You've been served. You've been Greta. You've been Tunberg, baby. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get that going. I need, how can I get a billion dollars? Is, is there any way I can do it? Yes! There you go. See, that's why you need to join the Patreon, so I can hire Greta to yell at people. It'd be awesome. It'd be, it'd be my lifelong dream. Dream come true. That and maybe owning the Eagles, but we'll get Greta first. So that is it. That's the end of the podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this extra deal. We'll have a couple more, like I said. We'll get things all going kosher-like, and then we'll be all... Raring to go by the time we get to Heroes Reborn, where I ended up having, you know, like I said, Double A Run said we need a new song. We can't have the Fresh Start song when Heroes Reborn. Must be Wrong Turn Reborn. That's what I'm using. We're going to go with that. But thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you later.